In terms of what people have, I really see it's like many other gifts and talents. Almost everyone has some kind of artistic ability or some kind of athletic ability, but not everyone's going to be able to play in the NBA or do these amazing realistic drawings or whatever. So there's your innate kind of talent and then there's training. You can always strengthen whatever you have. Some people have really strong innate ability. So for me, my psychic abilities are so strong that I literally couldn't ignore them. Podcast Junkies, episode 303. Welcome back. I'm your host, Harry Duran. If this is your first time listening, I am always rolling out the red carpet or the yellow carpet in the case of this show for new listeners. It's the one where I get to speak to interesting voices in podcasting. I give them a safe space to just kick back their heels and talk about their origin stories, what's on their mind, what inspired them to start their show, and what keeps them going. And we always have a fantastic time on this show, as regular listeners will attest to. Last week was no exception. We spoke to Anna Deshawn, the founder and CEO of E3 Radio. It's an online radio station playing queer and independent music in high rotation. And she joined the show to discuss the work she was doing and is doing as a social entrepreneur, building these platforms that center and celebrate BIPOC and QTPOC creatives. We had a fantastic, inspiring, high vibe conversation. And the best part about it is that we got to meet in person at Podcast Movement after our interview, which is always a very special and inspiring and motivational and heartwarming time for me when I get to hug the, the folks that come on the show because we have end up at having such a great conversation and we get to connect and it's really like seeing a friend when you see them in person. So I, I'm glad I had that experience with Anna. Speaking of friends, this week I have a conversation with my friend, Laura Michelle Powers. She is a celebrity psych and she's been featured on Will Ferrell's Ron Burgundy podcast. And we'll make sure there's a link for that in the show notes so you can check that out. She's been on BuzzFeed, NBC, ABC, CBS, Fox, Motherboard Magazine, and many other media outlets. She's a clairvoyant, a psychic medium, a writer, an actress, a model, a producer, a writer, and a creative entrepreneur. And she's doing it all, and she's amazing and very inspiring. And I'm glad we've started to connect more, and, and we got a good chance to hang out with some fellow peeps, podcasting peeps, at PodFest earlier this year in Florida, and that was fun. She joins the show today to talk about her metaphysical and spiritual awakening and the capacity to channel psychic abilities and the connection between political science and astrology, which you probably don't think uh, would be possible, but we make sure and we explain why that is and why it makes so much sense. Really, really fun, high vibe conversation, and hopefully you'll learn a little bit more about what it means to be a psychic. And it's something that uh, folks have had questions about previously, and I'm glad to share someone like Laura, who's so well respected and has so much success in this field. As a reminder, if you're enjoying this episode or past episodes, I'd love it if you leave a rating and a review at ratethispodcast.com forward slash podcast junkies. I would love to read those out on future episodes. If your podcast app that you're listening to right now does not support value for value, which means direct contribution to the podcasts and the hosts that you love, then try out a new one at newpodcastapps.com. I'm really going to be doubling down and educating you, the listener, on this new value for value model newpodcastapps.com is where you can test out some of my favorites. Fountain is a great app. They actually set up the wallet for you and give you a thousand Satoshis, which is a micro percentage of Bitcoin. And you can immediately start to not only earn Satoshis by listening to podcasts 
and get Satoshis while they're streaming the show. But also, you can start to experiment by donating to shows that are on Fountain that have already enabled their value for value tag. So we'll be getting deeper into this in future shows, including my episode next week with the founder of Albi, which is a tool that helps you get your wallet set up very, very quickly. So I'm going to be carving out some time to give shout outs to folks that are contributing to this show via value for value payments, via Boostergrams. And Boostergram is essentially a donation of Satoshis. And you can actually write a note and that note gets sent directly to your podcast host. So Albi has made this very, very easy to moderate and keep track of. And that's why I can't say enough good things about the team there. So we're going to be highlighting that a lot and it's a call out to you. So make sure if you are on a app that supports value for value, send over some Satoshis to this show. I'll be happy to read out your boostergrams at the end of this episode, at the end of each and every one of these episodes as well. So again, educate yourself, learn more, try out one of the apps, newpodcastapps.com. Okay, enough of that. Let's get into this conversation with Laura after a couple of words from folks that support this show. I'm grateful for the opportunity to partner with Focusrite. I'm so excited to talk about their newest line of sound cards, the Vocaster. It's got an endless list of features. I'll go through a couple here. Auto gain, easily set your levels with the click of a button. With more than enough gain on tap, 70 dB, no booster needed. An enhanced feature, which allows four podcaster-approved voice presets, which will bring out the best in any voice. You can silence the mic with the touch of a mute button. And record phone calls, high-quality music, or any audio from your device seamlessly. You can record to a camera, directly to its memory card. It's got a loopback feature to stream calls or any other audio you can think of from your computer. And three amazing packages of software. Hindenburg Lite, three months of Squadcast Pro plus video, and six months of Acast Influencer. What an amazing package. You can learn more at podcastjunkies.com forward slash vocaster. So Laura Michelle Powers, host of Healing Powers, thank you for joining me on Podcast Junkies. I'm so happy to be here. It's great to reconnect <laughs> with you. And yeah. yeah, I'm excited to see where the conversation goes. <laughs> so we last hung out at Podfest. Yes. So shout out to Chris Gritzos for bringing together an awesome group of folks. We managed to get a little group going together and <laughs> had some fun. It's always nice when you can go and you've been there several times and you start to find the friends that you like and the friends that you vibe with. And we got a nice little group together and we've been maintaining our connection via a text group as well. So you've been to PodFest before, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. It's really interesting because I've been in this sort of podcast speaking circuit and conference circuit for a while since I started my podcast, first podcast in 2011. But yeah. my first PodFest was actually in 2020, right before everything shut down. Oh, yeah. 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 I was at that one that too as well. Yeah. Yeah. So it was kind of interesting going to this year's PodFest because it was like my first big podcasting conference since COVID. So it was like okay. bookending. <laughs> Yeah. Like ending COVID, but I love PodFest and it's a great community. And yeah, it's always so nice to connect with people. That's literally one of my favorite things about the podcasting conferences is I just think podcasting draws such an awesome community together. So just that social fun element. But I feel like sometimes I get the most business connections from those social connections as well. Like, it's, yeah, that's true. It's like this win-win, which is fabulous. <laughs> so there's so many things to to sort of tease apart with what you call your life journey, your career journey. <laughs> so did you start Healing Powers in 2011 or was it a different show? Okay. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been doing that podcast and that work for 11 years. Okay. So let's wind back a little bit. Like, where did you grow up? 
So I have kind of an interesting life story. I actually was born in France and okay. moved to the United States when I was little, when I was five, moved to California and then moved to Colorado after that, which is where most of my mom's family is. So I actually started out speaking French. French is my first language and moved to the U.S. as basically a little French girl. <laughs> I learned English in school and it was an interesting experience for me because even though my mom is American, I, in a lot of ways it felt like being an immigrant because I was new here. And also everyone else spoke Spanish in like the ESL oh, classes. Funny. So I was always surrounded by a lot of Spanish speakers and felt like the odd one out in pretty much every way all the time. <laughs> and what's a fond memory of growing up in California? Oh my gosh. Well, probably just like right away in the beginning. So when I was in France, I was in rural France in Alsace-Lorraine region, so which is northeastern France. And it was very rural. To give people context, like we were very poor and we had an old house, like several hundred year old farmhouse that had no toilet. Like we had an outhouse. Wow. It was like we had water plumped in the kitchen, but it just like plumbed out into the gutter from there. So it was just like old school. Right? Yeah. So imagine that like super old Europe vibe to going to like Disneyland. And my we moved in with my grandparents who had a swimming pool and wow. we were going out to restaurants and it was like going from one century to another century totally. in a lot of ways. So, but I loved Disneyland when I was a little kid, that was probably my favorite thing was going to Disneyland, which we went frequently since we lived close in Southern California. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, talk about a night-a-day experience. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I think about that often, and it's kind of like this weird dream, that first part of my life, but didn't inform my perspective in a lot of ways. And so did you grow up mostly in California, schooling and early jobs as well? So no, just starting California and then was there, I think a little bit less than a year, and then we went to Colorado. Okay. So, but I've always loved California and had a thing with California because that was my first place, you know, in the US and then also Colorado. I love Colorado. So yeah, I consider Colorado my home state. Okay. And then when did you start? Like, I'm curious about this journey of you with like what you would call the metaphysical world or <laughs> I don't know sure. what's the category that fits the most for you, but I'm yeah. curious when that awakening started. I would say kind of metaphysical, psychic, spiritual. Yeah. yeah. So ever since I was little, I saw and sensed things that other people apparently did not. So I remember asking my mom when I was, I think probably about seven years old, if she saw things and I met psychically and she didn't seem to know what I was talking about. So I was like, okay, I guess I'm just weird. <laughs> you know, I mean, little kid, but just trying to figure it all out at the time. Yeah. And I just basically kept a lot of these things to myself because I wasn't sure what was going on. So I did, I kept it to myself. And then fast forward many years, I started to have some pretty intense experiences. And I would, for example, I saw ghosts that looked like solid people, like very much like the kid wow. in the sixth sense where yeah, yeah. I would think that's a live person until they do something like walk through a door, or just kind of phase out. Like suddenly I couldn't see them anymore. And there, I had a very distinct moment when I had a realization that this stuff was real, when a family friend um, described a ghost that I had seen, but never told anyone about. And that's when I knew, okay, I'm not crazy because if, if it was my hallucination, he couldn't see it. And so yeah. it was both kind of affirming and also a bit terrifying at the time because I didn't of really course. have the tools yet to know how to handle it or how to have psychic boundaries. I imagine you didn't have any friends that you could share this with either, right? No. I mean, it wasn't something that was kind of in the mainstream yet. I feel like we were just talking about that before we started recording, how so much of this stuff has just kind of become mainstream recently. And I think the media 
and the internet are a huge part of that, just people sharing information and the ability to find community online and teachers and resources. It's such a different time now than when I grew up. So yeah, I just, I remember looking around and being like, I am not like other people. Like, <laughs> and at the time that didn't seem like a good thing. I definitely yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. wanted to try to blend in and be like everybody else, but I just knew that I was quite different from a lot of people in a lot of ways. And it really took me a long time to find my community and figure a lot of these things out. And I'm very grateful for the internet for that yeah. ability to connect and kind of find your tribe, even if you are a weirdo. <laughs> According to mainstream. What were some of the sort of milestones as you were starting to find community or people that helped you from a mentorship perspective and just help you like understand this gift that you had and how to put it to good use? Yeah. I mean, one of the big things was I just started reading a ton of spiritual books. Like I was reading like a book every one to two days. It was just like the sponge absorbing all this information. I just took a ton of classes from local teachers internationally known teachers. And I just was just taking it all in and trying to figure out the different approaches. And then I very quickly was guided to just kind of dive into doing this psychic work, which was such a departure for me. I mean, my master's degree is in political science and I had worked in government and higher education. So academia, like this was so out of left field and just such a different way of operating. So I think honestly, a lot of people in my circle at the time were kind of in shock because it was like, hey, I'm this poli-sci government academic woman too. (laughs) I'm a professional psychic, you know, it's like a huge change. And I, my whole kind of ego identity had to make a pretty massive transition. And honestly, it was terrifying at the time. Like I was so frightened of that sort of spiritual coming out of the closet. Yeah. And it's funny, I'm bisexual, so I don't tend to talk about it a lot, but I had my sort of literal sort of coming out of the closet for that part (laughs) with my family and just society. But the spiritual coming out of the closet was far more terrifying. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's interesting because as you start to tap into this stuff and then figure out, you're trying to figure it out for yourself, right? And then at some point, do you start to see this as a tool that can be used to help others as well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I realized pretty quickly when I was just taking classes, and that was really what got me going with doing readings myself, was I was taking psychic development and training where part of the practice was just literally reading for each other, reading psychically. And people started to just tell me in the classes, like, wow, you're really good at this. And people just started to ask me to do it. So it was, in a way, something that just kind of unfolded. And it was just clear that this was something I was gifted at. So it's kind of interesting that way. I never started to take classes to set out to be a professional psychic. I was literally just like psychically a mess, right? <laughs> like my life was a mess. Psychically, it was a mess. And I just needed to learn how to manage it all. So yeah. that's why I was taking the classes was just like, oh my gosh, I have eight ghosts in my room while I'm trying to sleep at night. What do I do about that? Like, it's a problem, right? <laughs> and then through the process, it just unfolded. And then once I started to be able to get those psychic messages for myself, it became clear that I was really being guided to offer this as a service to other people. And as soon as I did that, doors open. And, and I definitely believe in signs. Do you believe in signs and like we get signs? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
So I'll tell you a little story about a sign for me about the psychic work. So when I was in middle school, I was in 4-H. Do you, do you know what 4-H is? Is that honors? or? Oh, no, I think it's like Girl Scouts thing or no? It, there's there's could be an like element that, yeah. that's similar to Girl Scouts, but it's typically more common in like rural areas. So I was in an agricultural area in Boulder County, Colorado, where people raise cattle and do all that kind of stuff. And you would have a troop just like you would have like a Girl Scout or a Brownie troop. Sure. But you would like take these kind of different modules and then you would submit to like the county fair so you could enter to win awards right and so a lot of them would be doing things like animal husbandry or like breeding animals but like we were in kind of a suburban one so we did things like painting and drawing cake decorating you know so it was in this 4-h troop and we were doing a fundraiser for the troop to raise money for supplies and things like that and we decided somehow the group decided that we were going to do a fortune telling booth Oh, man. So I was 12 or 13. I'm trying to remember. (laughs) And we it was for the Boulder County Fair. And I got featured in the newspaper as like a fortune teller. Oh, my God. And there's a picture of me in a dress, not PC at all, kind of like a gypsy. And like I had bought a palm reading book. And I just learned kind of the basics of palm reading. And then we were for a couple dollars or something, I think, a reading. We were doing these fortune. And it just made me laugh so hard because it was they're like, the universe is like, here, you'll be featured. <laughs> <laughs> but you must have given people some pretty good readings. <laughs> I mean, I don't honestly know. I don't remember. It was just very basic, yeah. like what the different lines of the hands are. And it's funny because later people would ask me about palm reading. And I definitely do not consider myself a palm reader. It's not how I receive my sort of downloads. Some people, they know the lines of the palm and everything, but they always almost like a conduit. They use that to kind of access their intuition. And for me, the palm isn't that way. Like it's interesting to look at people's hands. You do get information, but I'm a clairvoyant. So for me, it just kind of comes in through the images. And then I'm also claircognizant where I just know things, but it just was interesting that that was my one sort of foray into this early on. And then they're like, here, you're in the newspaper. (laughs) That's definitely a sign. For the benefit of like the listeners who are just getting committed to some of this stuff and people who have been listening to me know that like this has been a topic that I keep sprinkling in this podcast because it's a big part of me and I'm awakening to it more. And to use that earlier phrase coming out of the spiritual closet, I think like between last year and this year, just very actively doing it like on socials, like if you look at my social like headers, it says like I'm the cosmic conduit for awakened souls. And <laughs> I love it. So it's like it's going to awesome. repel people as fast as it attracts them. And I think that's really important. So you get to start to figure out like who it is that you want to work with. So for the benefit of folks who are just entering this space, who have maybe have heard of some of these terms from movies or from the sixth sense, there's a lot of things. You know, you talk about clairaudience, clairsentience, a medium, a channeler, a psychic, like could you kind of give like a maybe like a quick overview of what they are and how and maybe a sure. little bit from how they're different from each other? And because I think it'd be helpful for folks. Yeah. So first of all, I just want to say I just use the general term psychic now, just because it's such a broad category. It just means receiving information from the non-physical realm. But yeah, there's a lot of different types of psychics. I think of it as a lot like medicine. Like you think about medicine and like there's a lot of different people in medicine, right? But yeah, yeah. there's doctors and there's nurses and there's like radiologists and there's the people that do anesthesia. And then even amongst being a doctor, there's all these specialties, right? There's podiatrists and like gynecologists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's funny how when people don't know much 
much about the psychic realm, they kind of think of it as like this one sort of catch all thing. And I'm like, no, it's very specialized, actually, when you start to dive. And that doesn't mean that one person can't do more than one specialty, but it varies a lot. So yeah, I'm not a palm reader. I played around with it as a little kid, but I'm not a palm reader. I'm a clairvoyant, which means I see psychically. And sometimes that means kind of overlaying the physical realm. I see things or I just literally see direct into the spiritual realm. I'm also an empath, which means I feel energy in my body from outside my body. So I can sometimes feel people's physical pain, for example, or sensations in my body that's theirs. And certainly emotionally, I feel other people's emotions. I'm claircognizant, which means I know things. I just know them. And by the way, the term Claire at the beginning of language that typically refers to psychic gifts is actually from the French word for clear. So okay. Claire is clear in French. So it means like clairvoyance, which is seeing. It's like clear seeing. So okay. seeing clearly, which is, yeah, I think, yeah. very interesting. Claircognizant, clairknowing, clairsentient feeling, clairaudient hearing. I have a little bit of clairaudience. So you know, different psychics operate in different ways. Some people have psychometry, which is where they they get information from touch, from holding an object. And then, so they have to be in physical proximity and hold something to get information. Is that a wand or just a fancy pen? This is just a fancy pen. (laughs) I'm fancy. (laughs) So I do have some claircognizance, but it's not my main thing. Like I actually do a lot of my reading online where claircognizance and clairsentience and all, uh, all that works just fine. I don't need to be in person. So when you're exploring the psychic realm, I think it's helpful to just understand some of these basic terms and principles and align with someone where that has a fit with what you're looking for. So I'm also a medium, which means I communicate with spirits on the other side. I'm an angel channeler. So I specifically connect a lot with the angelic realm and channel angels. So just doing a bit of research about the psychic realm and kind of seeing like what draws you in. I feel like we intuitively often are just drawn to whatever it is that we need and paying attention to that. How do you feel about, you know, people have talked about everyone here has the capacity to have these tools and to have these abilities. And I think for the large majority of the population, it's going to be dormant. And it's just something that's not in their realm of consciousness. It's not something that they're interested in or, and it runs the whole scale. And some people get intuition sometimes, and that's a little taste of what it is. I've heard it described as, as I read it in one of the books that I was reading about being your own medical intuitive. I think it's Tina Zion. And she's, there's, a, I think, a phrase in there where she said, uh, intuition will always feel like your imagination. <laughs> it's so true. It takes such a long time, I think, to develop that trust. And yeah, just connecting with whatever it is that you feel drawn to. And learning about the different abilities. And in terms of what people have, I really see it's like many other gifts and talents. So almost everyone has some kind of artistic ability or some kind of athletic ability, but not everyone's going to be able to play in the NBA or do these amazing realistic drawings or whatever. So there's your innate kind of talent and then there's training. So you can always strengthen whatever you have. Some people have really strong innate ability. So for me, my psychic abilities are so strong that I literally couldn't ignore them. Like there was just so much coming in that if I didn't get training, it kind of ran roughshod over my whole life. Like I just, it was like, I was just literally a mess because I didn't know how to have these psychic boundaries. And it was constantly being bombarded with stuff. Not everyone's going to have that, but I really do believe that everyone has abilities. And when people start to practice them and 
learn, they're often shocked by how psychic they are. And I would love to see society transform where we have like psychic training for little kids. Because honestly, to me, it's like your inner compass, like your own abilities. You've been given them for a reason. I don't feel like we have kind of extra parts or pieces. And if you have them, like it's a tool and a resource. And if you learn how to use it, it's going to be so much better for your life. You don't have to want to be a professional psychic like me, just literally just so you know better how to access your own tools. I think it's so empowering. But I've had people that they're like, oh, I'm just kind of curious exploring. So I teach psychic training now. I teach like kind of one-off classes. And then I also have longer like six and 10 month programs. And people that come in, they're just kind of like, I'm just kind of exploring. And then we start the training and they're super psychic, like crazy psychic, but they just never tried it. They never yeah. learned how to do There's it. There's nowhere to go. There yeah. was nowhere to point them to and until like exactly. stuff like this was a bit. I think it was part of the challenge is growing. I grew up in the 80s and it was that was that Jamaican woman that was always the psychic on oh, TV. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Totally. Yeah. There was like the 1-800 number that, yeah. Yeah. So there was a lot of stuff that was around early on that was really like scams. And it's just the stuff like the portrayal of like the fortune teller with the crystal ball. And and I think there's a lot that happened and and was shown in the public and demonstrated just to kind of belittle like what was happening. And I think because when people don't understand something, the first thing they do is make fun of it. So I find that's probably not happening as much now, but and it must have been challenging to be a psychic in the 70s and the 80s. And if you even think you know, far back to the Salem witch trials, like it really wasn't a good idea to be oh, no. psychic back then, right? So definitely. I mean, I think there's a lot of fear for people that have these abilities from many lifetimes where there's been persecution. So I believe in past lives. I've seen yeah. past lives that we have them. And if you've experienced that kind of persecution, then in this lifetime, it probably feels pretty scary to put yourself out there. So I now know I've been burned and hung as a witch like a bunch of times. So that's part of why it was so terrifying to come out with this stuff and talk about it. But we are living in a different time, especially if you're here in the United States or in modern Europe, like it's thankfully uh, safe to talk about these things in, in most circumstances and situations. And the more of us do, the safer it gets for everybody. So I really encourage people to talk about it and share. And at the very least, be open-minded. And at the same time, if you're dealing with people that are either really skeptical, don't believe, or just don't know, then don't take that on for yourself. Like there's a lot of people that haven't heard about these things. Maybe they've heard negative things. And it's important not to judge. Like I don't expect people to have the beliefs that I have because they don't see the world the way that I do. They literally don't see ghosts and spirits. They don't see angels. They don't, you know, so like, that's okay. Like you believe what you believe. As long as you don't attack me, we're good. (laughs) Going back a little bit, why you decided to go into political science? Oh, that is an interesting question. (laughs) Well, on a surface level, I think I was really interested in public service and just always interested in that. My family is very political. On a deep level, I have a soul history with politics and specifically United States early history. So I'm not going to say who I was, but I was someone who was quite involved in early politics in the United States in a past life. Did you feel that when you were deciding what major you're going to do or deciding what topics were of interest to you when you were studying? Did you resonate with that? I'll tell a story to give you an example of that. So because I was born in the in France and I moved to the United States as a girl, with the current rules and system in place in the United States, I couldn't be president of the United States. When I learned this, I was very upset. 
and I was, I think, six years old. Like, that's not a normal response of a child <laughs> to be like, I can't be president. This is deeply upsetting. <laughs> so, yeah, I was always like, from a very early age, I was quite interested in that. <laughs> And there's a strong connection between France and the United States in terms of like the history of our oh, country, yes. the inspiration, the partnerships, the relationships, a lot of folks coming from France and inspiring the founding fathers here as well. Absolutely. And I almost moved to New Orleans several years ago. And that, of course, that has its own history. And it's interesting. Have you ever spent much time in New Orleans? My brother lives in New Orleans. I've been okay. there several times. Yeah. It really, in so many ways, just doesn't feel like the United States. It's another country. It yeah, right? Like I mean, it's technically <laughs> the United States, but you go and you're like, oh, this is like another country. Like, it just totally has that foreign I love feeling. it there. Yeah. Yeah. And talk about energies there. I mean, oh, there's some supernatural energies are off the charts. Like, if you ever want to feel paranormal stuff, go over there. <laughs> That's got its own history of like the voodoo stuff and yeah. Voodoo, vampires, like. Yeah a huge number of people dying in a short amount of time between yellow fever, just poor sanitation, the civil war. Like it was literally like 90% of the population would die in like three years or something crazy. Wow. And it just, more people kept coming. That's the only way how they sustained <laughs> their population. That must've been like an energetic overload for you. First time you showed up there. <laughs> it was, but also so fascinating. Like it was, and I actually started going there for paranormal investigations. So I oh. worked for several years with several paranormal investigation troops. And one of the groups that I was involved with was from Louisiana. And okay. so he would take us to do these groups and we would do these incredible, you know, paranormal investigations down there. And so it was right away, just deep dive into that whole world. Yeah. Do you find that your studies in poli sci because it's so sort of logical <laughs> and I always get these brains mixed up, but it's right brain. I think it's the logical. So do you find that that helps you now when you're in the complete opposite, like left brain world of like you know, the metaphysical in trying to explain what's happening to folks who don't get it, who are purely right brain that there is, when you start to mix in some of the quantum physics aspects of it, and there's ways to explain it that where you don't lose people. I'm wondering if that trainings or that education sort of helped you as it helps you now a little bit. Yeah. So I'll just dive into astrology here for a minute, which might yeah, seem yeah. like it's not connected, but it is. So I'm a Taurus cusp Gemini. Okay. So if I was born hours later, it'd be a Gemini, but I'm technically a Taurus. Taurus is an earth sign and it's fixed and Gemini is an air sign and it's to do with kind of air heavens, like this kind of ethereal aspect. So I really feel that part of my purpose is to kind of bridge these two worlds oh, that are often sense. very separate. And yeah. it's interesting as a psychic, because a lot of my clients are in these worlds that I used to be in. They're lawyers, they're in government and politics, they work for the governor, they work in the White House. And I think it's fascinating. There's definitely a lot of help needed in these areas. Like, yes. I think there's the spiritual revolution that needs to happen in our government and in our systems. But because I've been in that world and I know that world, people that could use that service are drawn to me compared to maybe some other psychics who don't know that world and don't know how to navigate in it. It's like, I've been there. I can speak that language. I know yeah, that yeah. world. So yeah, it's kind of a fascinating thing. I So I have probably more kind of doctors, lawyers, government workers as clients than other people. <laughs> well, it's fascinating because I think when you 
get into the like the spirituality, the awakening space and depending which extreme and then I'm talking about politics, you get the extreme like the anarchist bent for some folks who want to just tear everything down. Right. And I think what we're finding is that I don't think it's gonna like gonna tear everything down to like its base foundation. I think to what you're alluding to, there's people who work in these spaces, who are entering these spaces or who are awakening themselves in these spaces who are a bit lost and trying to figure out like, am I contributing to this now? Am yeah. I part of the, am I cog in the machine? Am I contributing to like the downfall of society, capitalism, whatever you want to call it, like the medical industrial complex, gov big government. But the fact that they're reaching out to you, it feels like having folks who are coming online, so to speak, like yeah. in these spaces where change can happen at a broader scale, I think is really important. Yeah. And it's so important to find that community when you're going through that awakening, because you can feel very alone. I remember that feeling of being like, oh my God, I'm like an alien. I don't have anybody around me that gets it. And so having people that get you and that understand all of this is so important when you're going through that process. And that's part of what I do when I teach is I have other guest experts and you're connecting with the other students as well, so that you're really creating that community. I think that's really, really important. But the good news is all of humanity is, I think, is opening and expanding and shifting into this higher consciousness. Are you familiar with like the different dimensions and kind of 3D versus like 70 or other consciousness? Yeah, we opened up the can of worms here, so we might as well just go for it. <laughs> if you want to just give a high level overview of that, because yeah. I learned a little bit over time, um, but I'd love to hear your take on it. So one thing that I've seen many people talk about in this in sort of higher spiritual communities is this expansion of consciousness that's happening right now. So 3D consciousness is literally just like, here's the physical world. I'm touching this pen, everything that's solid and seems physical and real to us from a material perspective. And there's a lot of people that are in that pure kind of 3D awareness right now. And it is real in a sense, but it's just not everything, right? So when you're coming from that perspective, and that's all you know and see, and then there's multiple levels of consciousness and awareness. And we're going now, I believe, into what's called 7D consciousness, which is the different dimensions. And you can think of it like the seventh chakra, the crown chakra. And that has to do with like pure spirit and sort of connection with spirit. And it can feel like a shock when you start to go into those levels of consciousness, because it's kind of like you've known reality in this one way. And now it's kind of expanding into being able to see and sense these other dimensions. And it's challenging. And the other thing that's challenging right now is that people are in different levels of their awareness. So for example, if you're having a conversation with someone who's just in their sort of 3D awareness, it's almost like oil and water. It's like, yeah. that's not quite right. But like, it's so hard to be able to communicate because your perspective is so different. The truth is that within the 7D is also the 3D, but it's just like so much more and expansive. So getting into the space, and I just encourage you, first of all, if you're connecting with people who don't get this or don't understand, that's okay. Just maybe they're not your tribe, or maybe they just haven't gotten there yet. And they will, like people are rapidly shifting. And so just to find that community and learn and explore and just be open-minded. But also as we're expanding into these other consciousness, it can be quite a shock. And I think we see a lot of people that are kind of going through this almost like shell shock of this kind of shifting into these new levels. And also there's frequently a lot of disillusionment that happens because you might've been told things or thought things were a certain way. And then there's this sudden realization, oh, things aren't that way at all. <laughs> 
<laughs> there's a lot of illusion, a lot of lies. There's, you know, there's a lot of beauty and everything too, but it can be a shock. I remember when I shifted from my 3D awareness into more expansion and I literally just felt like I was dying inside. It's like you're having this ego death. So it's often very intense for people. So if you're going through that, just know you're not alone and you will be okay. <laughs> and whatever happens physically, you're okay spiritually. Like yeah. there's so much fear of death and dying. And honestly, the other side is amazing. So I don't <laughs> encourage people to be in a hurry to leave this realm, this world, but just know that it's all okay in the end. I think it's helpful to remember. It's interesting. There's so much happening. There's so much language, terminology, stuff thrown around that people who are just getting into the space, they just want you to just focus on like all the love and light stuff. But then there's the term known as spiritual bypassing, where you're just like focusing on that and not focusing on the dark side that because like everything else, like a yin yang has its balance. And so I think that's something that people who are newly awakening, if you are rock solid 3D and listening to this, (laughs) and I would just invite you to like listen to what you previously called your intuition or even like a hunch and like all these little things that people sort of write off like oh that's a funny coincidence or that's so weird that that happened and i think when you start to realize that maybe it wasn't i don't really feel anything happens for no reason like so if you start to kind of spend some time and like oh what could that be telling me or something like that just this little things for to sort of help people acclimate to these i mean the energies you just spoke of Absolutely. And I think a great thing for anyone to do when they're trying to shift into higher consciousness is honestly pay attention to the body, which might sound like kind of the opposite thing. Oh, we want to expand into higher consciousness, but our body is the conduit for us to do that. And most people are very shut off and cut off from their bodies and the messages their bodies are giving them. So one thing that was very helpful for me in the beginning was to just really be in my body focus on my breath, pay attention to what I was feeling in my body. For example, frequently that idea of a gut intuition or that gut feeling, that's literally so profound information you can get from your body, what your body is communicating with you. And if you just start there, then it just opens that doorway to the spiritual realm. Okay. Yeah, that's good advice. So let's talk podcasting a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) I love podcasting. So you started 2011 is pretty early because you think yeah. about like 6, 26, 06, 07, 08 is like the, the original OGs. Right. So how did it come on your radar and like what were you listening to and what was inspiring you at the time? It's so funny because it was literally just a psychic kind of intuitive thing to start podcasting. Like I wasn't even a podcast listener. Yeah. Okay. It was just like, I should start a podcast. And it was right at the beginning when I started my business and was starting the psychic work and trainings. And it was just like, I should do that. And it was such a different time then. It was really a kind of weird tech thing to do. Oh, yeah. Not easy at all. (laughs) Yeah, it was so much more difficult to get started. And I wasn't a tech person. Like I had divorced my ex-husband who was Microsoft tech guy. And I was literally, I remember being like, oh my gosh, I have to set up my computer. I have to like figure out how to record. I have to do all these things which are super techie. But it was such a strong message to do it. So I just figured it out. So if you think podcasting is hard now. Just imagine how it's so much harder than, and I still, as a non-tech person, I still was able to figure it out. So you can totally do it and, and do it great. And it was just such a strong message. And for me, it was such a powerful tool to build a platform and also to learn and connect because in the beginning, I didn't consider myself an expert in anything, 
but I just wanted to have a place to talk about things that were helpful to me and had helped me. So I found people in my community to interview, and then I started to connect with national experts. And I very quickly realized the power of podcasting for learning, for networking, for sharing messages that were at the time difficult to find in mainstream media. And it's expanded and shifted with mainstream media, but you're still not going to find a lot of higher consciousness information on like CNN or (laughs) Fox or something like one of these, regardless of where you are in the political spectrum on one of these kind of mainstream news channels, mainstream media. So I think that independent media is so, so important in spiritual communities and just for the flowing of free information. And as soon as I started it, I loved it. And then I started other podcasts as well. So I host other podcasts on different topics. So as I got more into entertainment, I have like a film and television podcast, which I also really enjoy, for example. And then I have one where, you know, talk about podcasts is my podcasting book, Rock Your Podcast. I have one Powers Hour, which is like my kind of business and marketing podcasts. How many total? Now, I use podcasting a little differently than some because I don't run all those podcasts all the time. Like some of those podcasts, I literally just, when I meet someone that I feel like is a good guest, or maybe I want to attend a conference that's on that topic and I get a press pass and I go. And so I have, I would say three that I very regularly release. And then some of the other ones are just kind of ad hoc as, as felt as needed. I'm seeing like five different paths I want to go down here. So I'm trying to like mentally like track them and get some notes here. What's interesting about the, when I grew up in like eighties and nineties, you would find stuff be like, what was the overnight radio show that dealt with the paranormal? That was like, really. Oh, there's one that's still happening. It's AM radio. I think I know which one you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I got to think about it, but it was really, you would stumble upon it and they would be talking about like UFOs and I'd be like, there's no recording. There's no, no digital file. You have yes. to be like present listening at the time. And it was so interesting because it'd be at night. And I think his name is H, I think is the host. It's coming to me. It's going to come to me. But I mean, it's extremely. Are you talking about Coast to Coast? Coast to Coast. Yes. Yeah, it just yes, popped yes, yes, into yes. my mind. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's still running too, by the way. Yeah. And so it was just so fun. And I remember like when the internet first came on and you finally broke out of the AOL like garden and you're like, oh, the internet. And you're like the first thing I was drawn to was like Egypt stuff. And I was like watching, like reading the stuff and these images that would load like one pixel at a time, <laughs> like just waiting for the line and the next line and the next line of the image to load. But I was just fascinated. I was like, oh, these hidden chambers. And like they point to like this constellation. And I was like, what is going on there? Like... And so you're just hungry for information at that time. And so sometimes take it for granted that we just can go anywhere we want on any topic now because of the internet and because of podcasting. But I think for people who are younger and listening now, it's like we had to really search long and hard back then to find stuff. It was so much harder to build your community, find information, but it was still out there. I think that's the point. And it's like, yeah, if you could start a podcast then, or if you could find your spiritual information, then you can easily do it now. So just out of curiosity, because I started, this show started in 2014. Like, what was your tech setup in 2011? (laughs) Yeah, so I bought a mic and I was doing some in-person recordings. Okay. And for those, I often had like a full, like I had a videographer that would have like a full like video camera and like we'd have like the lavalier mics and the whole deal. But when I was doing home recordings over what was then like the phone slash VoIP, I was 
using Skype and it was just so Skype, much yeah. clunkier. There were a lot more issues with like dropped calls and like struggles with recordings and things like that. So as soon as the other options became available, I switched. But for a while, that was really the only game in town was Skype for remote recording. So yeah, I pretty quickly shifted and then I did like free conference call. And then I was on Zoom yeah. <laughs> like way before most people, like during COVID, like everyone got onto Zoom and it sure. became this like awareness of like, oh yeah, it's Zoom. So yeah, it's been an interesting journey, but I'm so grateful for the development of the tech that has allowed for like much better recording ease and reliability and all that. And I always wanted video when I started. I knew that I wanted video just to build those relationships. Right. So I used Skype with call recorder yeah. so I could see the person and then we could record the audio, which is awesome. And now we're, today we're using Squadcast, which is awesome because now it's what I had always envisioned, like a great, perfect podcast conversation. Because I'm like, I'm speaking to this person for an hour. I don't want to just do it on audio. Yeah. Like I just, It's just like, for me, it was just like, I wasn't taking advantage of the connection that I could have that connection time, that full hour face-to-face connection with someone. Because you speak to someone with an hour face-to-face, and then I would go to a podcast conference and be like, hey, Harry, like, really enjoyed that conversation we had. And I was like, great. And so, and it also speaks to 300 episodes. I'm going to publish 300 this week on my show. So eight years. And it's just been such a door opener. I mean, I've spoken at Podcast Movement, PodFest. I've spoken at a podcast conference in Australia with Ronsley, Ronsley Falls, yeah, which is a great guy. And it's such been such a door opener in terms of relationships. I've seen it now happen with my second show called the Vertical Farming Podcast, where I interview CEOs and founders. And now I'm like being asked to like for there's opportunities that are opening up there. And with all the shows that you have, I think this is something that you've discovered. Like the power of a podcast as a platform. And essentially as a networking tool, as a, you're basically creating these stages where you're just inviting people. And I always tell people, like, if you want to build a relationship with someone in an industry, rather than saying, hey, can I pick your brain or can we have some coffee, like, which is code for free consulting, like start the podcast, you almost build a stage that would make it so exciting for them to show up. Like if you started something like I'm building something called the world's most amazing mediums and psychics, would you like to come on the show? They'd be like, oh yeah, of course, I want to be on that stage. <laughs> is that what you found? And is that something over time that you just discovered like the power and, and probably speaks to why you have so many? Absolutely. Like it just became so clear what a powerful platform builder and networking opportunity it was. So yeah. So one of my first guest was very well known in the sort of medical space. And his name is Bruce. I'm trying to remember his last name. And he was speaking of one of these kind of big energy conferences and he was a keynote speaker and he was the person who had like handlers and, but I was volunteering to do video at this conference and I just basically went up to him and was like, Hey, do you want to be on my show? And he's like, sure. When, when should we do it? Like, you know, this is the person who normally charged like tens of thousands of dollars for a keynote. Yeah, yeah, and oh yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Like, I remembered his last name, Bruce Lipton. He wrote the book biology. Of oh, Belize. Bruce Lipton. Oh my yeah, God. So he was one of yeah, my first huge. interviews. That- Right. And I saw right away, like the power of that, because he's incredible. First of all, if you haven't checked out his books, I highly recommend it. Then he talks about the mind body connection and it's some really profound stuff. But I saw like I had him on and that was amazing. And he spoke with me for 45 minutes. Like that was incredible, right at the time. And I would be talking with other people, be like, oh, I had Bruce Lipton on the show. People like, oh, Bruce is like, suddenly they're like, well, Well, that's it. Then that's their steps on your show. Right. So that just happens that there's, it's like, you're suddenly in that circle and then other people want to be in that circle. So I saw that very quickly. And then I also saw how very quickly that podcasting was being recognized as kind of major media. 
didn't, when I first started, it wasn't, but it, it grew and it shifted. And it literally led to me to television, to big podcasts, like on a podcast level. I've been on Will Ferrell's podcast. I've been a paid guest on Will Ferrell's Run Burgundy podcast. Like amazing. Like this is all from these kind of stepping stones that I directly tied up to hosting my own podcast. Like there's, I just wouldn't have gotten there without that. So it's incredibly powerful. My friend, Jake Gallen, who hosts a podcast here in Las Vegas. And he said, as a podcaster, you get to choose your friends. And I'm like, yep, it's really that. true. You're like, that's <laughs> what frequently starts out. You invite someone to be on the show and you just kind of develop this connection and friendship. And then deeper things often come from that. It's incredibly powerful. Yeah, it's so true because after an hour long conversation, some of them, like you just really have a good connection and then you're in their circle. But then there's some where you just, because of that time together, it's there's like intimacy that builds and then there's a relaxing sometimes from the guests or sometimes they start to like say things and they're like i've never told anyone this before but i think i'll like share it with you right now they just feel like you're creating a safe space for them and they feel comfortable sharing stuff and which is really fascinating it's just so interesting between the two shows it's over 350 360 interviews and it's so interesting and i'm wondering if for you as a host how that journey has been for you like how you've improved or that transformation for you as a host with your interview skills like what's been that been like so yeah i mean when i started i remember being so nervous and again i didn't consider myself an expert in anything at that point i was just new to this even the whole realm of the area i was interviewing about so the sort of mind body spirit i just was like brand new in that space and so I started out, I would literally like have a list of questions. Like I would ask every guest. Cause it was just like, I just in the moment, I was just like, I needed to have that kind of thing I could yeah. go to rely on. <laughs> and now I really don't. I mean, I may read a little bit about the guests or in most cases, I often have directly connected with a guest already. Somehow occasionally I take pitches and I have a person on the show that way. But now I'm just off the cuff. I've had so many interviews. I've been interviewed myself so many times. I'm just so comfortable just with whatever comes in. I'm not nervous about it. And that just is something I think develops over time. So if you are nervous or if you have to have more structure in the beginning as you get started, that's okay. And then over time, you'll probably just relax into it. And so the other day I was pitching a screenplay that I have. So I also am a writer. So I have eight books. I have several screenplays I've written. And that's one of the things I want to do. Just something you're doing in your spare time. Yeah. I'm taking this screen course, screenwriting course, and sort of course on just getting your films out in the world. And I pitched and everyone in the group was like, wow, that was so professional. It was so good. And it's not like I have a lot of screenwriting pitching experience. It's just honestly podcasting. I'm just so comfortable speaking in front of people at this point that it just comes across. So I just think for professional development, whatever it is that you're doing, it's so incredible. It's so helpful. What's the, can you talk about the, what you're pitching? Yeah. So I have several projects. So I recently pitched uh, a TV pilot that is about a psychic woman who's closeted, meaning she's like in the psychic closet, but she's just trying to manage with all these crazy psychic gifts that she has. And so she gets information that people don't know that she knows and kind of funny scenarios unfold with her trying to kind of go behind the scenes and meddle with things that she knows that she shouldn't know. (laughs) And then I have another screenplay that's, this might sound funny, but it's like a buddy action comedy about sex trafficking. (laughs) 
<laughs> You'll definitely get people's attention with that pitch. That's Think funny. like the heat, but instead of like drugs and the mob, it's like sex trafficking with like a sex trafficking oh, ring. Think of like a man kind of like in Taken, like this collector who's trying to get these girls that have these special ability. You know, they're like the ballet dancer, the opera singer, the whatever. Oh, wow. And these military moms go in and go get the girls back because the <laughs> police is aren't doing it. So yeah, and I have several others that I'm working on as well. But I just think that podcasting is so amazing for that just ability to get comfortable with yourself to get practice and and incredible networking. So I had Jack Canfield on my show. You familiar with Jack Canfield? Yeah, yeah, of course. And they pitched me. That's the thing that I'm like, oh, that's right. such an amazing <laughs> thing. When you build this platform, you get these amazing people who are like, hey, I want to connect with you. So just keep doing it, put it out there. I start to see that sometimes with Podcast Junkies just because of the name and because of the SEO, I guess, of the website, because the domain has been out for a while. I'll get PR companies being like, oh, can we have like so-and-so come on the show? I'm like, yeah, sure. Like, yeah. <laughs> and so I've gotten to, to speak to some pretty interesting folks on the show. So I, I think that's really fun. I was going to mention the Ron Burgundy thing because after we had met in, we were hanging out in Florida, Natalie and I, my partner Natalie and I, we listened to it and it was just hilarious. <laughs> so can you just kind of set up the premise? Sure. Obviously, most folks I would assume know who Ron Burgundy is and Will Ferrell's character. But yeah, talk a little bit how that happened and what the experience was like. Sure. Yeah. So to give people context, Ron Burgundy is the Anchorman character from the Anchorman movies that Will Ferrell's in. And he just decided to start this podcast that is him as Ron Burgundy. And so the premise is he is Ron Burgundy and he's interviewing people and just kind of being himself. So they invited me to be on because they were doing this series where he was interviewing different people with different jobs and they just that they had me as a psychic on. And so I had to pretend like Ron Burgundy is a real person. He's actually asking me these ridiculous questions. Like, what was it like to go to the Harry Potter school? <laughs> Whatever. So yeah, it was great. And it was interesting how you get these opportunities sometimes that really suit you. So my undergrads in theater, I did improv for years. Okay. I'm a podcaster, so it was a podcast. So I've done a ton of comedy. I've done a ton of improv. Very comfortable talking about the psychic realm. And so it was a great opportunity given my sort of skills and background. But it's really interesting how it unfolded. So I used to live in LA and I still have like on my website, it still says Los Angeles. And when they were looking for a psychic, they just literally kind of searched in the area and pulled me up. And wow. you never know when something's coming. Like this isn't a show that you pitch, like you're not going to pitch like, you know, Ron Burgundy podcast, like, most likely. So they reached out to me. And when they did, they called me at like 5 or 6pm for the next morning. Wow. <laughs> and I remember that day it was such a weird energy day. And I was like, what is going on? Like, it just felt really weird and triggered. And I remember thinking something good is coming. And sure enough, I get this call and I had a full day the next day. But of course, I was like, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Where yeah, are you? Right. <laughs> clear my <laughs> exactly. calendar. And I literally, I wasn't even in LA. I like hopped on a plane and like threw everything in a bag as quick as we could to get over there. And it was super fast the next morning. And there was no preparation. In fact, they wanted to be that way because it was all unscripted. Like he would just say something and yeah. in the moment, I That's just good. had to just react however I would react. But I asked the producer about their process because, of course, I was really curious. Like, how did I get this opportunity? And they were just looking for a psychic in the area. And she said before she reached out to me, she spent several hours on my website. Oh, wow. So I just want to share that because I think a lot of people don't understand the importance of having certain things on their website and having it be professional. And so on my website, I had my meteor reel. I had all the appearances I'd already had. I had my books. I had blog posts. I had my podcast. 
So when they got there, they could clearly see that I was an expert, that I'd been on television, that I knew what I was talking about, like I had this knowledge. And when you work at that level, they want to make sure they're working with someone who's going to be prepared and not yeah. Yeah, get yeah, really yeah. nervous in front of the crew. Who's never been on TV or exactly. never been on. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah. I just remember thinking like several hours and I was like, oh my God, like several hours, like just thinking about someone spending that much time. So just the importance of that, having your sort of online profile really communicate what you want. And I'm a big believer in having a reel. Even if you've never been on television, you can create a reel with podcast appearances. Like put photos and then have just audio clips with like audiogram essentially kind of stuff or audiogram clip. Sure. But the, yeah. creating that and having it out there just makes you look so much more professional from the beginning. That's an awesome story. We laughed a lot. Oh, that was so funny because we knew like you're a friend and like you're having that experience and like just wondering what's going through your head as he's asking you those questions. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it was such a weird thing. And also just in terms of the actual process. So I did not meet him before we started recording. Oh, he was really? in character. And like, we literally started like, as I'm meeting Ron Burgundy, that's when I'm meeting Will Ferrell. <laughs> that's so funny. And it was one of those big podcast studios. Like it was a really big crew. It was on Hollywood Boulevard. and It's iHeart, right? Yes. Yeah, so very professional choose. setup, like lots of producers and the tech people and kind of behind the scenes. So yeah. And I do want to say, if you ever have an opportunity to work with someone like that, just first of all, do it. Like a lot of times these doors just open and don't be like, oh, I can't, I'm oh, busy sure. tomorrow or whatever. Just do it. But also I just feel very grateful. I mean, he's a really wonderful person to work with. It was a lot of fun. That's awesome. I love the saying that says uh, luck is when preparation meets opportunity. Yes. And a lot of people want these big opportunities, but if you haven't kind of put the groundwork in, you might not be ready. So just Think of whatever it is that you want to create and then just keep moving towards it. And just think of it as like, I'm just getting closer and closer. And I also am a big believer in entertainment as an education tool, like sort of edutainment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm definitely being guided more towards that. I'm sharing that for the spiritual community because I think a lot of spiritual people tend to be very kind of like serious. We're like so serious with our <laughs> <laughs> spirituality. And I think there's really something to be said for just joy and laughter and entertainment as a tool. Yeah. It's so funny you mentioned that because like, I feel like comedians that are sort of coming awake now, I'd recently discovered Jessa Reed, who's super funny, but also she had an awakening experience like 20 years ago, which is like real. And she definitely has guides that uh, connect with her. I ended up binging her podcast, Soberish, and then Awakening OD. She had such a breath of fresh air to this world because she's just like, she doesn't even call them her guys. She's like, the aliens told me this. And, like, <laughs> she's like, <laughs> and it's so fun because it's interesting because I feel like to your point, like comedians have this special position in like society where they're just like the jokers of the world and they can say almost anything. And so they're almost like the perfect vehicle to start bringing things in in a lighthearted way and energetically like the power of laughter to like lift spirits yeah. is just so well known and documented. So I think it's an interesting thing that's happening in that space as well. Yeah. And honestly, it's safer to do this through entertainment. Like if you're just sharing these really serious messages, a lot of times there's a lot of this kind of tearing down of the status quo or of systems that are currently in place. And if you do it through entertainment, if you do it as farce, if you 
do it as like a fictional story that's like about a make-believe place, but it's like Washington, D.C. or whatever, or it's fictionalized Washington, D.C. even. You can get away with things that you would probably be reamed for if you were staying it straight up. And so I learned that pretty early on. I was actually doing a channeling through William Shakespeare, of all people. (laughs) He came through. And that's one of the things he talked about. Like, here's a person who, he was talking about a lot of political stuff, but it was like, it's a history play or it's a whatever, so that he could get away with it. And I think it's it, there's a safety in that and also somehow people can process it more it's like not as in your face and sure not as, Over, yeah, yeah yeah and so that's really an area that i'm being guided to go more into are you familiar with the hawkins scale of consciousness no so it's a really interesting thing you can look at it and it's a sort of pyramid of like consciousness and at the lower end is like fear anger anxiety you know, as you go up into higher levels the highest level is ascension. Well, right below that is joy. Oh, and below joy is love. So we tend to think of love as being the highest. And I do think love is amazing, but according to this scale, and it it does resonate for me, joy is one of the highest (laughs) places you can be. That definitely makes sense. I keep hearing that. It's something that's been coming through recently for me, just in different ways. I was seeing someone yesterday about it. Even like folks in the spiritual space are talking about like the energetic power of just laughter. It's even like in my like, daily intentions and affirmations like laughter and joy and I make it a point to physically smile when I'm doing them and that you just feel the energy change yes. so totally resonate that we'll make sure we include a link for that in the show notes okay I want to be conscious of the time I feel like we could do like another Joe Rogan three-hour we could like, totally episode. do another one sometime <laughs> if you want to because yes like, there's a lot to dive yeah, into yeah <laughs> there's going to be a guest that's going to like make me want to do an after hours <laughs> that's just like a separate there's so much stuff that you're working on you want to just quickly cover like you're doing acting you're doing the podcast course <laughs> you're doing a lot of stuff in a lot of different facets anyone who goes to your website could see that you're very busy <laughs> yeah so talk a little about whatever you feel called to share in terms of what projects you're working on sure so i'm doing my sort of woo mastermind which is to up level in business and life and spirituality and um, that's a 10-month program i have my six-month psychic training program which will be launching soon this is the second time i've run it so powerful yeah, I teach podcasting. My next one is going to be starting, or I haven't set the date yet, but early 2023. So if you want to expand, you know, an incredible network, that's great. And then, yeah, on the sort of entertainment side, I'm doing more with many different things, acting, modeling, like I've been doing more modeling, which is so interesting how that's coming in. And if you want to connect with me, one of the great ways to do that is my Instagram, Laura Powers 44. And you can just get a sense of the various things that I'm doing. And also on Facebook, you can just connect with me, Laura Michelle Powers, and all my books on Amazon. Amazon. You can just find my author page there. But yeah, feel free to reach out. I'd love to connect with people on social media. I guess I'd be remiss and talking about energies as we wrap up. Oh, I almost forgot. There's a couple of questions I ask as we finish my interviews. What's something you've changed your mind about recently? That is a really good question. I think as we're talking about this kind of expansion into entertainment, I used to feel like I had to be really serious about everything. And as I have shifted and expanded, I realized that being a lightness and levity is actually frequently much more effective. This may be a similar answer, but what's the most misunderstood thing about you? Yeah, I think depending on how you know me, you might think of me differently. Like I have a lot of varied interests and kind of backgrounds and things that I do. So if you met me in one context, you might know me from just that area. And one of the things I'm working on now is just this kind of like bringing together of all the different things. So in my comedy, I talk about the psychic world. I sing because I'm a singer. I do all these things. And so I think (laughs) 
And also, I just feel like to share how expansive we all are. Like, I feel like we all have these different facets of our personality and our sort of person and how there's so much magic when we bring all of those things together. Well, Laura, this is just a testament to like, as much as like we could hang like socially when we're at a conference and even for like hanging at the pool and stuff, I just treasure and honor the fact that I have this platform where I can just say, Hey, I want to go deeper and just like learn. I learned so much about you personally. Really appreciate you coming on sharing your story. And I'm just a little bit selfishly glad we got a chance to connect and just learn more about what you're working on. So I really appreciate it. And I really enjoyed this time. Thank you. you. It's really my pleasure. I'm also very grateful. It's always so fun to go into that deeper dive that you can do in a potty. And it's funny because you and I were like hanging out of the pool in Orlando. And like, that's most of my context for here is like, like our pool conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't go, yeah, can't yes. get too deep there. But there was an inkling when some one-off comments, I'm like, oh yeah, this is going to yeah, be fun. Yeah, but I love that. I do think that social can lead to these much deeper kind of connections. So thank you for this platform. Thank you for the time. I, I really appreciate it as well. Yeah, likewise. And best place for folks to connect with you is at healingpowers.net? Yeah, probably healingpowers.net. And then Instagram is great. I do at this point at least respond okay. to DMs if people want to connect with me. And that's laurapowers44, which is an angel number. Yeah. thank you yes very cool thanks again laura thanks again to laura for coming on the show always appreciated always honor and respect people giving an hour of their time i know it's not easy in this day and age and it's fun for me to connect with friends as well that really inspire me and laura is no exception so please check out all the great work she's doing she's going to be very easy to find on socials and support her and all her projects Full show notes are available at podcastjunkies.com. Make sure you check out all the work that we do to make sure anything we've talked about in the episode, summary, timestamps, key quotes, resources mentioned, links to shows, links to resources and books, it's all in there, podcastjunkies.com. Intro and outro music composed by Cedar and Soil. And I'm doubling down my effort to get you to become more familiar with this value for value model in podcasting, podcasting 2.0. Test it out as a listener, newpodcastapps.com, so you can test out some of the apps like Fountain that make it very, very easy for you to listen and support the hosts that you love directly without any middleman. And obviously, this is one of those shows. So if you are listening and you are on a value for value enabled app, send over some Satoshis, send over that Boostagram, and we'll be sure to read those out on future episodes. That's going to be a lot of fun. Don't forget to check out our sponsor, Focusrite, their awesome line of gears, specifically the Vocaster 2, which I'm currently using now. You can see the full lineup at podcastjunkies.com forward slash Vocaster. Podcast production and marketing provided by Fullcast. Learn more at fullcast.co about whether a podcast would be helpful for you and or your brand. And tune in next week for my conversation with founder of Albi, Moritz Kaminsky. We definitely go deep on this value for value that I've been harping about these last few episodes. So we're going to learn a lot about Albi, about Bitcoin, about Satoshis, about value for value, about contributing to the hosts that you love, about the podcasting 2.0 initiative. So make sure you don't miss that. Thanks for all you do to support the show. Love you and appreciate you all. Each one of you. Have a great day.